Congratulations. Victoria's housing market has rebounded strongly this year. Hammers were falling once again. Buy numbers per auction are actually up on last year. Rates caught on hold again at 0.25%. National house prices were still rising. A man's home is his castle. And today it goes under the hammer. Welcome to Under the Hammer for Direct Connect. Direct Connect is a free service making moving easy for you. Call them today on 1300 664 715. Yes, and welcome to the Under the Hammer podcast. As we say, it's all for Direct Connect. They are the one that can help your team out. All of those crazy services that can sometimes just be a whole lot of admin for you and your business called Direct Connect. The team can really help you and your business out. My name's Jane Neild and I am here with Stavros Ambazidis, one of the three co-directors at O'Brien Real Estate. He owns three O'Brien offices. He's the best auctioneer in Melbourne and he dabbles a little in property investment himself. Stav, wonderful to have you back in the studio. We're not doing this remotely. You've been doing a couple of openings of new O'Brien real estate uh, agencies around the country, but today in Melbourne. (laughs) Yeah, look, it's great to be back and in studio. Um, Melbourne's alive again. Certainly is. And we've seen in the last uh, few days and weeks, uh, the Sydney siders uh, escaping Sydney mm. with lockdown increasing. And look, it's it's a movable feast at this point in time, isn't it? I just wanted to say we got some great feedback about our last episode with Ray Ellis, the CEO of First National, who was a wonderful guest and really had me thinking, you guys were talking about that personal communication, the need to connect, really interesting stuff. Uh, we had an email from Jeremy in Highgate in essay who said he enjoyed the last episode with Ray and said it was great to get that reminder from a leading industry figure like Ray that sometimes it can be as easy as just picking up your phone and talking to people to give your business a boost. I printed out an A4 sign after hearing Ray on your last episode, which simply says, pick up the phone and stuck it to the fridge in our office as a reminder. So thank you for your feedback, uh, Jeremy. You can do that via the email podcast at sen.com.au. Stav, we might just get straight into chatting with our guest today because we are very, very honoured to have Antonia Mercarella, CEO of the Real Estate Institute of Queensland. Now, Antonia is recognised as one of the top 20 most influential people on the Queensland real estate landscape. She's an accomplished CEO and a solicitor with more than 16 years of experience in the real estate and property sector. And she's passionate about developing the legislation, the policies, the training that will benefit the industry as a whole. She's also in demand as a keynote speaker, and we are really lucky to have her with us on Under the Hammer today, thanks to Direct Connect. Antonia, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm really well, thank you. It's a pleasure to to be with that Stavros and yourself, Jane. Now, if you were catching up with a former colleague or perhaps a friend or someone you haven't seen for a little while, perhaps they've been overseas, living in a bubble, not really listening to Australian press, to the news and the hype about the industry here. And they said to you, Antonia, what's it been like? How's the market going in Queensland? How's the industry in Queensland? What would your answer be? Could you summarise it for us? Well, my answer would be you wouldn't believe it. Uh, We have not seen a market like this uh, for a very long time. I mean, certainly the Queensland market is, um, uh, you know, and I'm conscious when I talk about the Queensland property market, of course, Queensland is an enormous state 
and I often refer to it as being three states rolled into one. And certainly our market over the last 15 months has been uh, incredibly strong. And that's not just in the southeast corner. Um, it, it even extends to, of course, regional communities. And But it's not just the Queensland property market. I mean, we're really seeing extraordinary things happen across many, many Australian property markets at the moment. You know, we're seeing regional markets across Australia becoming incredibly appealing. Probably not that surprising in the midst of a in the midst of a pandemic. We've seen, of course, um, uh, you know, about half a million expats returning to Australia, which is obviously uh, some of those are already property owners, but those who aren't, that's creating new demand. And I think it's really fascinating to watch the human psychology uh, of of COVID and the impact it's having and the appeal um, that property has in, in these current circumstances. I think it really talks to the security of, of property. When we think about property, it's a very tangible asset. It's a it's an asset that we generally trust and recognise. And so, and of course, in the, in the throes of pandemic, uh, we look to things that give us security. So I've got to say, I am not surprised that the property market is doing what it's doing in response to COVID. And it's not, it's not all about COVID. I don't want to say it's it's exclusively about COVID, although that is having a very influential uh, impact in my view. It, let's be honest, it helps that we have uh, very low interest rates at the moment. We've had our RBA, the RBA of course has come out, confirmed that those interest rates are likely to remain low for a number of years. So that's also fueling that buyer confidence uh, as well. And as I mentioned, we've just got so many people looking for property at the moment. So demands uh, right up here. And of course, um, the challenge is, is supply. Uh, working out and talk to any real estate practitioner in Queensland or across Australia at the moment and they will tell you that is their biggest challenge that that supply is simply not keeping pace with that ever increasing demand that we're seeing. Antonia you've had huge growth in Brisbane in particular one of the capital cities of, of Australia um, it's second to Hobart at the moment and we're seeing a huge explosion of listings down here in Victoria, and a lot of us from south of the border are moving up your way. In, in fact, in the last 12 months, we've had 32,000 families, uh, as reported in the media down here, have moved to your area. So either just south of the border in Queensland into New South or into, into uh, Queensland. Are you noticing that, a lot of us coming up that way? Absolutely, Stavros. We we are very aware of uh, of your presence. Uh, we have become very very popular indeed. Uh, look, even before COVID, we were the number one destination for interstate migration in the nation. And there's no doubt that again, the the this pandemic has really accelerated uh, that that interest in Queensland. Um, I think there's a few reasons for that. Um, you know, relative to, to Sydney and to Melbourne, we are still very affordable. I mean, if you talk to people, it's it's all relative, isn't it? If you talk to people in Brisbane, there will be some who will complain that we are becoming unaffordable, but, you know, show the Brisbane property market to someone from Sydney and Melbourne and they'll tell you that it's a, 
that it's bargain buying. So again, it, it is a very relative concept depending on on who you are and where you are. But um, look, it is it, it, it it's what I will say is this is probably um, it's high time if we're honest. Our market's been moving you know, certainly in a northerly direction, but at a very modest pace uh, relative to uh, the property markets of, of Sydney and Melbourne. And many commentators and analysts have been saying, OK, it's going to be Brisbane's time to shine. And uh, it's taken us a while. We're, we're, and I think what we're doing now is probably playing some catch up if we're honest about it. So, it is great to see our property prices uh, moving at a far more accelerated pace. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to continue to see that. I think, you know, our population is expected to grow by one and a half million people by, um, I think it's uh, 2040. Sounds far away, but it's actually not that far away. And, uh, and of course, you know, my prediction, I'm always careful about crystal ball gazing. It can be dangerous. But I do think that when international borders reopen, I think we're going to see a new wave of international migration back into this country. And I do think that Queensland uh, will be really well placed and will be very appealing to, to many of those international buyers as well as I think we're likely to see that continuation of that interstate migration that we're seeing. And again, it is predominantly coming from New South Wales and Victoria. And Antonia, is that something that the legislators, you know, the, the state government and then even on maybe a federal level, I mean, making sure the settings are right to help that all happen if there is that large influx of people coming from overseas, is that something you're sort of really focusing on? I mean, we might be talking another year or two or even three to help get those settings right. So tell us a bit about how that works in your role as CEO of the Real Estate Institute of Queensland when it comes to working with governments. It's a, That's a really important question, Jane, and it's probably the part of this job that I love the most. Um, and I think you're right. Even though we might think this is really far away, we don't have to worry about it. Of course, when it comes to housing, Planning is really critical. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's sort of a figure that gets thrown around that um, we need about 32,000 new dwellings each year built in Queensland to keep pace with our growing population. Now, that requires some pretty significant forward planning. You know, that requires land being released. It requires um, the relevant parties to work in line with um, you need to be thinking about transport and infrastructure planning. You don't just suddenly decide to go and build, uh, you know, a bunch of new houses. There's, a, there's an enormous amount of work that needs to happen, and it's a and it's a very much a collaborative affair, if you like, that involves really all three levels of government: the feds, local government, and of course our state government. Um, I think also, um, apart from I guess the um, big picture planning in terms of um, new supply, we've also got to be thinking about things like stamp duty, for example. We know that. Stamp duty is, uh, it has a fairly significant impact on mobility rates. Uh, it, it represents a very significant additional financial impost that, that people need to meet. And certainly we have been arguing for many, many years that it is time for our state government 
to reconsider stamp duty in Queensland and look for better and fairer ways to be raising this revenue that clearly they, they need to be raising. Um, and in particular, um, you know, just to focus on one element of our stamp duty um, policy position, you know, older Queenslanders, the government by their own um, by their own admission, uh, there's a, uh, there's been a report released by Treasury that shows that by doing something about stamp duty in particular um, in that space with older Queenslanders, the over 65 groups, you could free up about 50,000 properties each year. And so these are properties that are probably being occupied by, by older Queenslanders, they're bigger than they need, but they're kind of staying put. And one of the reasons for that is because of stamp duty costs associated with moving into a, an alternative smaller property. So again, it's, um, you know, you don't stop and think about the way that these things all interact, but we do really need to be thinking about policy changes, legislative changes, um, planning changes um, that all need to come together to, to really allow for proper and adequate planning for uh, an, a growing population to ensure that there are homes for everyone, whether you're renting that property or whether you're owning it, that supply is keeping pace with the demand. And sometimes I think we forget about the role that good policy and good legislation plays in respect of that in respect of that issue. Now, Antonia, I've been to Queensland several times this year. We've opened our first office in Queensland, so um, we've actually uh, come up to Cairns or just outside of Cairns in uh, right. Clif well Clifton Beach and. Uh, so I've had the pleasure of coming up there a fair bit and you guys seem to have it together, you know, apart from the weather, of course, but uh, you're right, the infrastructure up in Queensland, it's come in leaps and bounds. One thing I was reading um, the other day when I was uh, on the Gold Coast was that the Gold Coast is anticipated to overtake uh, Brisbane as in population and that's not too far away. Is uh, I know it's not, you don't want to talk about crystal ball stuff, but is that is that the case? It's really interesting. Uh, you know, Queensland is, um, it is such a unique, such a unique place. When when you look at um, the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast, it, 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 they're such different communities, but it's about that very coastal way of living. There's something so appealing about it. And we have seen the Gold Coast just exploding in terms of its popularity. Um, in fact, even just at the REIQ, we have people who work in Brisbane but are based on the Gold Coast because they love living there so much. And um, and I think the Gold Coast, of course, over the um, – we just recently hosted the uh, – Commonwealth Games that 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 suddenly puts you know puts it front and centre um, and makes it more appealing. If you're sitting in, you know, forgive me, Stavros, but if you're sitting in chilly Melbourne and you're looking at uh, at the sunshine in the middle of July, it looks pretty appealing. Let's be honest, and uh, and I do think that we're seen as a great lifestyle option. I think that's really you know Queensland is a um, it's a it's a pretty unique place. You've got a thriving a thriving capital city that is Brisbane, but only an hour or so away. You've got the Gold Coast, about an hour and a half away. You've got the Sunshine Coast, and then of course, you know you've got really spectacular places like Cairns and Mission Beach, and uh, you know I'll offend all the other Queenslanders if I don't mention everywhere. But there's really just 
an enormous amount on offer, whether you're looking for a tree change, a sea change, um, it's all really available. And of course, it is still um, relatively affordable up here. And when you think about the way that now our work has changed so much during COVID, we've, you know, I think we've all been talking about the ability to work from home and how technology enables us to do that. But of course, COVID has really accelerated um, the adoption of flexible work arrangements. And so suddenly you've got this explosion of people who are saying, actually, if I can work from home, then I might actually move to Queensland where it's sunny and pretty relaxed. And I think that's um, also uh, playing a role and, and that's why we're seeing the popularity, particularly of places like the Gold Coast and the Sunshine Coast and some of those regional uh, communities as well. You are listening to the Under the Hammer podcast. Thanks to Direct Connect. Direct Connect makes moving and connecting services like electricity, gas and more so easy. Look, if you're an agent or a property manager interested in using Direct Connect, call them on 1300 664 715. Our guest today is Antonio Mercarella and she's the CEO of the Real Estate Institute of Queensland, representing the interests of some 5,000 agencies or probably more by now and 46,000 real estate professionals. Antonia, I'm interested to know, have you, with that influx of people, seen an influx of young people maybe especially or people looking for a career change, wanting to upskill, wanting to actually get trained? I mean, for all of these sales, for the hype in the market, you need real estate professionals. So has REIQ sort of had to up the positions in training courses and and really sort of address that side of the industry? Well, Jane, as you would expect, uh, when the market is good, everyone wants to be a real estate <laughs> practitioner. It's uh, it's often seen as a bit of a uh, an easy way to make money. And of course, if you speak to experienced real estate professionals, they'll tell you the reality of it. Uh, it is hard work, and uh, and uh, and sometimes there is a mistaken perception that it is an easy way of. Uh, of making a quick buck. So yeah, look, there's no doubt we have seen um, we have seen uh, lots of new people wanting to do real estate courses and get into real estate. There's um there, and we are um, the REIQ is a registered training organisation, but of course there are many up here, and uh, and we have seen the number of of people out there practicing is on the rise. Having said that. Um, we've also seen quite a few people leave uh, the real estate industry too. Um, yeah, I think we've got to be. I think we've got to be honest. I mean, particularly in the area of property management, can be a very, very stressful and difficult role. And I think during COVID, property managers were put under enormous pressure, enormous pressure. And uh, and we did see, unfortunately, uh, a, a, a bit of a. a a departure um, from many who just um, found it too overwhelming. And I know that you're actually in the midst of um, looking at a tenancy reform bill in Queensland. Like we, staff, we've spoken about this a lot because Victoria has just undergone. How many pages was that new well, bill, staff? We, we had 134 uh, changes to the uh, in the new Victorian uh, property management reforms, and it was we we had a statistic at one stage where we were anticipating probably losing 30% of our property managers leaving the industry, which is catastrophic uh, for us. But we're also losing a lot of um, landlords or now they're called rental providers down here. They're actually leaving uh, 
you know, they, they don't want to invest anymore because it's getting too difficult. The other problem we've found is in, Vict, uh, in Victoria itself, we have something like 38% of all Victorians rent and only 6% of all Victorians actually have investment properties. So there's a huge gap. So we need to entice more investors to buy in. Uh, is that you know, similar to what you're seeing in Queensland at the moment, Antonia? Well, look, this is a a very uh, t- timely conversation. Mm. <laughs> we, uh, our government introduced a tenancy reform bill on Friday into Parliament, uh, Friday being um, the 18th of June. Um, we knew that tenancy reforms were coming. It's been on the cards for a number of years. It was uh, an election uh, commitment from our government. And look, it's a, it's a, it's not been excluded, as you've just talked about, there's been tenancy reforms introduced in Victoria, also in the ACT. There has been a a bit of a wave of tenancy reforms sweeping the nation. Um, What will I say about our bill? Uh, Look, it's certainly a, a vast improvement on what had been previously proposed by our government. Um, Our government back just before Christmas 2019 um, flagged some very, very significant reforms and we, uh, the REIQ, established a very... um, a, a, a campaign in response to those proposed reforms. Uh, it was called Stand for Stability. And the reason we we gave it that title is because we argued that what was being proposed would completely destabilise uh, the rental market. And to your point, Stavros, we were very much of the view that if the government proceeded with implementing those very onus reforms, that we would see a very significant number of people selling their investments, uh, investment properties, and, of course, it would become um, uh, become incredibly unappealing to invest mm. in property in Queensland. Um, so, look, I think where we've landed in terms of the bill that we currently have floating around in Parliament, uh, look, I'll, I'll call it for what it is. It's not going to make property owners and property managers do cartwheels. Um, it, it is... You know, it's very much about tenant tenant protection and giving tenants further rights um, and further statutory protections. I will say, though, that I think the government has done, you know, a pretty fair job of balancing, uh, uh, approaching it in a more in a in a more fair and balanced way. Uh, you know, it, there's probably four key reforms that are being proposed up here. The introduction of minimum housing standards, and we'll have um, uh, property owners will have two years. They they won't come into effect until September 2023. And I've got to say, the majority of what's been proposed in terms of those minimum housing standards. That looks pretty fair and reasonable. Secondly, there's the introduction of some domestic and family violence protections. Again, not entirely new because uh, these reforms were introduced uh, in response to COVID and what the bill looks to do is to make those uh, enduring and permanent. And I think as a general rule, um, most in the community would would see the need for those reforms that are very much um, about protecting victims of domestic and family violence. Um, And then what that sort of leaves behind are probably the two most controversial reforms. One relates to pets. 
And so this bill will absolutely make it a lot easier uh, for tenants to have pets. Having said that, what we've been able to successfully argue for, and as far as I'm aware, uh, will be the only jurisdiction if the bill gets passed to have this, and that is to exclude pet-related damage from the definition of fair wear and tear, which I think is a pretty significant move forward uh, for owners and for being able to uh, get compensated effectively, fairly, if the pet creates damage to the property. And then finally, the big one uh, that was the most hotly debated uh, is this argument around the abolishment of without grounds terminations. And effectively what was previously being proposed and I think is in some form what's being introduced in Victoria, and that is to take away an owner's right uh, to refuse a renewal on no grounds. So in Queensland at the moment, um, if, if, if Jane and I enter into uh, a fixed term tenancy for, let's call it 12 months, when we get to the end of that, as the owner of that property, I can give Jane notice, um, I can give her a notice to leave and I don't have to give a reason for it. Um, I'm simply saying we're coming to the end of our agreement and that's the end. What was being proposed is that um, an owner wouldn't have the right to do that. If the tenant wanted to stay on, the tenant would have a unilateral right effectively to determine how long they wish to stay and an owner uh, couldn't couldn't basically evict that tenant. And that for us, you know, you've always got in every advocacy uh, campaign, you've got a die in the ditch issue, as I like to call them. For us, that was our die in the ditch issue. Um, we, we were absolutely adamant that taking away an owner's right to say no to a renewal would have represented the most significant erosion of, of a fundamental right in the history of, of landlord rights. And, uh, and we argued very strongly against that. So where we've landed on that in terms of what this bill outlines is that an owner will be able to end a tenancy uh, on the basis that it has reached the end of the agreed fixed term period. And that will become a ground or a reason for termination. So I think that's a pretty good and fair outcome on that particular issue. It sounds like a really balanced uh, reform, uh, to be honest. Um, I know you know our our governments uh, around Australia, especially Victoria. What what we've tried to do is you know really look after the renters, uh, but the problem it's it's actually caused um, in Victoria is I can give many examples where rents have gone up significantly. So rents that we were getting uh, four hundred a week are now at five hundred a week overnight. Like as one tenant moved out at four hundred a week, the next tenant moved in at five hundred a week. Uh, that's a 20% rise automatically overnight. So it became a supply and demand issue. Uh, but coming back to the prices, you know, you Queenslanders thinking, you know, your prices are a bit cheap. Well, what I like to say to anyone is it's hard to be a profit in your own town. It's funny how we always believe in our own town that prices have gone up significantly, but it's all a perspective. You know, I, I come up to Queensland and I think, how affordable is this? I find the, the cost of living is cheaper in Queensland Houses are cheaper in Queensland. The lifestyle's better. I mean, look, for me, I'm a huge converter. 
at the moment. I've been converted. And my, and my daughter's moved up there, and a lot of my friends have moved up there. But in closing, I want you to, to bust a myth. Everyone says, don't move to Queensland. There's no jobs. Personally, I saw the opposite. I saw plenty of jobs. What do you say? I say, come on up, Stavros. <laughs> We're happy to have you. Well, remember, I'm not a Queenslander by birth. I'm married to a Queenslander. I'm actually an Adelaide girl, so I've I've converted. I've seen the light. Uh, um, look, I think there's been a bit of a perception about Queensland. Let, let's be honest about mm. it. Uh, I can probably call it out because I, I'm not a Queenslander by birth. I think we've been seen as a bit of a backwater. I think... Our Brisbane city has been regarded as a bit of a, a poor cousin, if you will, to Sydney and Melbourne. And I think there has been just this eye-opening experience that's occurred. And, and it's not just in response to COVID. I, I've sort of watched Brisbane as a city evolve and change. And I think what's happened is people are suddenly saying, hey, actually, Brisbane is a great modern city. Um, we've had some extraordinary infrastructure projects. Um, you know, everyone knows about the weather. That's what we're well known for. But you've got, at the moment, we've got uh, an expansion of QPAC, which is our Performing Arts Centre. Once that project's finished, we're going to have the largest performing arts centre in Australia. So we've become this kind of arts capital hub. We've got our cafe scene and our restaurant scene, we needed to do some catch-up. I'm the first to admit that. But, you know, I can say we are we have made such extraordinary progress. We've got some outstanding restaurants. Um, we've got some amazing rooftop bars. We've even got a bit of a laneway going on. We've got a little while to catch up to the <laughs> Melbourne laneway scene. Um, and, you know, I just think that as a city we've really evolved and modernised and, and I think we can already see, I mean, you just have to look at some of the massive international brands that have moved into town here in Brisbane. I think that really speaks volumes. So I think this perception that there's no jobs here, I don't think that's true. And I can tell you at the moment, Queensland government is screaming out, um, there are so many jobs up here at the moment. Obviously, in particular sectors, there's there's massive demand. Um, and again, we've really seen our unemployment rates come down, which is outstanding. And just remember what I said earlier on, which is that the way we work has changed. So in some instances, we are finding people aren't leaving their jobs to move to Queensland. They're staying in their jobs. They're keeping their jobs. They're just doing those jobs in a different way. And it might involve, um, you know, travelling or doing things online. And I think we're all seeing that that that's manageable and that's doable. So anyone listening, uh, you know, you're, you're very welcome up here. We're, we're happy to have you. It's a, it's a great place to live. I can vouch for that. I've been up here. It's coming up to 11 years. And uh, it's very difficult to go back to a cold environment, let me tell you. Oh, and you'd be struggling as a former Adelaidean as well, uh, Antonia. <laughs> you'd be struggling to find a place back in Adelaide or the hills or the sort of closer inner regional oh, no. areas too because that has boomed mm. as well. <laughs> you're quite right, Jane. You're right. I do keep my eye on the Adelaide market and uh, you're right. It is, uh, it's it's gone through the roof. 
Well, thank you so much for your time on Under the Hammer. And of course, uh, thanks to Direct Connect as well for supporting the podcast. Antonia, we'll let you get back to that incredible work that you're doing as the CEO of the Real Estate Institute of Queensland. And it looks like you're very well placed to help the government with all of those big decisions, the, the pulling of the levers and the tweaking of the settings, which is going to see Queensland make... I think a really good, you know, uh, going from this huge, huge influx of people to make the next few years uh, really hopefully sustainable, but also really profitable and and wonderful for the residents of Queensland. So thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me. And that was Antonia Mercarella, the CEO of the REIQ. And St- I can just see it, Stav. Your daughter is going to poach you from Victoria and you're going to be living oh. the life in Byron before you know it. Or does your wife have other things to say about that? No, no, my wife would move up, uh, up oh, to that neck of the woods out. in a heartbeat. But I've got my mum down here, my brothers and sisters and my 36 first cousins. And so <laughs> <laughs> we're only a small Greek family. <laughs> I guess that does actually prove the point, though, that sometimes home is home. Yeah. And there has been a lot of migration around the country, but yeah, it's it's not an easy decision to make, though, is it? It's no. you're weighing up the lifestyle versus the connections you have to a particular place. Yeah, but the so. world's become so much smaller, so and that's what my daughter keeps telling me. She loves living up there. The only thing that holds her back is family, but the world is so much smaller. She travels down here once a month. Yeah, and let's hope we can continue to travel freely. Yes. Well, there's been a few restrictions. Um, just while we've got you, I've seen video evidence of you doing auctions <laughs> in Melbourne recently with literally lines of people down the street. Yes. It's just not easing up, is it? No, it's not. And since we've come out of uh, this latest lockdown, what, what's been happening is there's this huge pent-up demand again. So it's either feast or famine at the moment. A famine when we're in lockdown because we can't work and then it actually gets doubled up when we can work. And yes, uh, in the cheaper demographics, uh, like Caram Downs this week where I was involved in, in a lot of open for inspections and auctions, I've got to tell you there were people all the way down the street uh, hundreds of people wanting to inspect property to buy, uh, but 90% of them, because we do write down uh, what type of buyer type they are, mm. are first home buyers. Yes. 90%. I saw, huge. I had four friends online, like, you know, mm. not necessarily friends I catch up with all the time. So, you know, friends that I'm connected with on Facebook and social media. Two of those of the four who bought properties on the weekend mm. were first home buyers. And it's like, they've finally taken the plunge. Yep. Interesting. At least one of them was um, in a sort of, Melbourne apartment. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're going to see the demand for those apartments start to rise as yeah, well. Yeah, I hope so, because there are a lot of vacant ones. Oh, it's a very busy, busy time. Thanks, Stav. Uh, if you would like details on how to connect with Stav, you can head to the show notes of this uh, episode or head online, o'brienrealestate.com.au. We are also going to put links to the Real Estate Institute of Queensland. Perhaps you're a real estate agent or a property manager thinking, oh, I could move up there, do a little bit of extra training. REIQ can help you out with that as well. And thanks to the team at Direct Connect. They make moving easy for you. If you are an agent or property manager interested in using Direct Connect, take off that little extra pressure. Call them on 1300 664 715. And if you would like to suggest a guest or send us some feedback, ask a question, you can email podcasts at sen.com.au. Thanks, Dad. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Under the Hammer for Direct Connect. Direct Connect is a free service making moving easy for you. Call them today on 1300 664 715.
Hi, it's Shana Blaze here. Join me on my podcast, Homestyle. We provide the ideas and inspiration you need for your home, DIY design projects and expert advice. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series, available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.